0: Well, before I get lost this morning, Pastor Rich and I are going to tag team preach today. So we're excited about that and hopefully you will be excited too. All right. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads, all of you granddads. Let's give our dads a hand today. All right. Now, when you hear the word perfection, perfection that is, what do you think of? Perfection. A newborn baby, beautiful sunrise, I've got it, the Utah Jazz. (laughs) Going down in flames, losing four games straight. It is terrible. It's like they did not show up. Sorry about you, or sorry for those of you who are jazz fans. I have not made that migration yet. I've been in Utah since 1998, and I've not made the switch. Anyway, thank you for that laugh. I appreciate that. Got one fan out there. Now, personally, I want to do things well. I don't set out in the mornings to say, you know what? I'm going to do things mediocrely today. I'm going to give half effort to my job, to my ministry, to my family, to my marriage relationship. When I set out to do something, I want it to be perfect. But guess what? It rarely happens. Because perfection is nearly impossible. I don't like making mistakes. In fact, when I do make mistakes, I take it personally, probably too personally. But guess what? That's just my personality type. Now there was a time when my boys were two and four years old, we were out on a bike ride and our parents, grandparents, are you familiar with bike trailers? So you've got the bike, you hook it up or you hook the trailer up to the bike and you can put up to two children precariously dangling behind you as you pull them down the road or sidewalk or trailer or whatever. Well, we were almost finished with our ride. We had a great time. The boys had their helmets on. Mom and dad had their goofy helmets on too. And I thought, you know, this has been the perfect ride. I'm going to make it even better. So just about to turn on to Farron Drive over by our our house. And I thought, I'm going to give these boys a thrill. So I thought, I'm going to flip the trailer around and make it kind of tailspin or fish tail, whatever you call it. And I did that on a curve, on a turn. And what happens when you fishtail like that? The trailer flipped over. (laughs) Well, fortunately, the boys were strapped in. They had their helmets on, but they both had road rash all over their elbows and knees. So the perfect ride turned into the perfect disaster. Learn from my mistake. (laughs) I think they still have a small tick to this day. And they don't wanna go bike riding with us. I don't get that. Now on another note, no matter how hard I try when I speak publicly, I either get tongue-tied or lose my train of thought, squirrel, or something goes terribly wrong with my microphone. Now I'd like to say that I can just roll with it but again my personality type says no way that should never happen what is wrong we got to fix that now but that's just me I'd like to say that it's no big deal but to me it is a big deal I think that all of us want to live at a high level of achievement but very few of us will ever reach the point of perfection myself included Our lives are oftentimes full of mistakes, full of shortcomings. Sometimes they're full of sin, which are different than mistakes and shortcomings. Please know that. So all of us find ourselves in the same boat of trying, but rarely achieving perfection. A few questions for you here. How many of you bowled a perfect game before? You bowled a 300. That's awesome. I bowl a perfect 56 to 60 about every time. How many of you pitched a no-hitter? There was no one in first service either. How many of you have had the perfect answer for someone in their time of desperation and need? Hopefully you have through the Holy Spirit. How many of you cooked the perfect steak or made the perfect cake? Today's the day, moms. Today's the day, wives. Make that man a steak. Make him a, make him a cake. How many of you are the perfect spouse? How many of you are the perfect employee? How many of you are the perfect friend? Well, it might happen once or once in a while, but we're not very consistent with that. And what about parenting? This is Father's Day after all. So listen carefully. I don't want anybody embarrassed here. So listen carefully. As today is Father's Day, I would like for all perfect dads to go ahead and stand to your feet. All right, that's what I thought. You are in good company. The only reason I'm standing is because I'm speaking publicly. I am far from being the perfect dad certainly not a perfect husband, certainly not a perfect employee. None of us is standing because we think we are all that. And you know what? That's actually okay. In fact, it should make us look at our ability to father, to parent, in a very different light. I've met dads over the years and admired their ability to be a dad. And I wonder, man, I wonder when he is going to write his book. When is he gonna, going to write his 10 Steps to Being the Perfect Dad book? And guess what? It was not written, at least not from the people or by the people that I know. Everything seemed to look perfect from a distance. But then the more you get to know someone, you see some cracks, you see some imperfections, and you find out, wow, they're just like I am. I really want to be a better dad, a better husband, a better pastor, a better child of God. I want to be what the Bible refers to in one particular person as. And for more on that, let's look at Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, this is God, when he had removed King Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. He will do everything I want him to do because of his submitted, humble attitude. So again, I want to be a man after God's own heart. And who they're talking about here is David, of course, the king of Israel. He was revered to this day and is revered to this day by the nation of Israel. He's looked to in the Bible as the forerunner and the picture of Christ's own rule as king. He's a pretty awesome character, really. If you read about him in the Bible, you're going to see that he had a lot of successes. And at the same time, or at different times, I should say, he had failures. Yet David was far from perfect. If you read his entire life story, you see humanity completely apparent all over his life. But there are some things that we can learn from David on this Father's Day. And also from his son, Solomon. So I, don't want, I want you to consider this. David had invested decades in the nation of Israel as a warrior king. He had seen battle after battle as he sought to set the nation on a sustainable path of influence and power in the region. And as these battles began to come to a close after many years, he built a palace for himself as the king. But then he had something else come to mind. He had a dream, a vision of a better future for the nation of Israel, and for the reputation of his God. And again, fathers must look to the future with God at the center. Think about that. Fathers must look to the future with God at the center. Sometimes we've lived lives without God being at the center. We've been at the center. Our kids have been at the center. Now our grandkids are at the center. My job, my career. But what about God? David recognized that his leadership... His own leadership had lent itself to self-promotion much of the time, but had put God a bit in the background. But he dreamed about a future where he himself would fade to the background, not sit on his laurels, not just retire, but he would take the back seat and allow God to come to the forefront. And really, that's the position that God should have been in anyway. Second Samuel chapter seven, verses one through three. King David was living in his palace and the Lord had given him peace from all his enemies around him. Then David said to Nathan the prophet, look, I'm living in a palace made of cedar wood, but the ark of God is in a tent. Nathan the prophet said to the king, go and do what you really want to do because the Lord is with you. God spoke through Nathan And he gave a very different declaration than what David had thought. God, I want to honor you, provide for you, make you great, make your name known, make your name revered in the nation of Israel and in the nations around Israel. And God says, but I've never asked for a home to dwell in. But in all of that, David's heart was right. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to elevate his father. But God also said, I have been with my people, and I will continue to do so, and I will make this nation great. But David, it's not going to be up to you. So as David shared a bit later in the story with his son Solomon, we find in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 7 and 8, David said to Solomon, My son, I really wanted to build a temple to honor the Lord my God. But the Lord said to me, you have spilled a great deal of blood and fought many battles. You must not build a temple to honor me, for you have spilled a great deal of blood on the ground before me. So the desire of a father is honor. The desire is for honor, and David wanted this for his father, his father God, and for the nation of Israel, but also he wanted that to extend to his family. But one thing we have to come to understand and accept and maybe even rejoice about is the fact that our past, now listen, our past does not disqualify our children's future. Our past does not disqualify our grandchildren's future. Now this includes us as children. No matter what our age is, you could be 20, you could be 40, 60, 80, it doesn't matter if you were still a child, you don't have to be handicapped by your parents' checkered, dysfunctional past because it doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't even disqualify your future unless you don't break that cycle, unless you continue down the same road. Break that generational curse. David was blessed by God He was anointed as king and leader of Israel. He had experienced incredible victory, almost insurmountable grief at times. He had good times. He had bad times. And God pointed to the decisions that David had made that would limit what David would do, but it doesn't limit what his children could do. They stood on their own before God. And Nathan the prophet relayed to David the words of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 14, when you die and join your ancestors, I will make one of your sons the next king, and I will set up his kingdom. He will build a house for me, and I will let his kingdom rule always. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Now, this promise is ultimately fulfilled in Christ, who is the offspring of David. The promise that God made, or excuse me, the promise that God gave to David is one that is also encouraging for us today. When we reach our limit, ever reach your limit? Let me take these glasses off. Apparently I can't see all the hands that should be raised. I can see, I joke with my wife about this. I have to wear reading glasses now because I'm over 25 just barely. But I can look and I can see the rivets on the International Space Station as it flies over. But I can't see these words in front of me. So here we are. Welcome to aging. Anyway, I have no idea where I'm at. So let's see if I can get back here. Let me just jump in. Trust God to be to your children what you cannot always be. We have to look to the Father. We are limited. We're human. Moms, you're in the same boat. Grandmothers, trust God to be to your children what you cannot always be. You have to release your children, your grandchildren, to become who God has made them to be. This son that God is referring to, of course, is Solomon, and after hearing this from God, David's heart was moved again toward his father in heaven. And he prayed this. And let me conclude my portion with this. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 27 through 29. David's prayer. Lord, all-powerful, the God of Israel, you have said to me, I will make your family great. So I, your servant, am brave enough to pray to you. He's brave enough because of the promise that God had given him. That's what made him confident. Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised these good things to me, your servant. Please bless my family. Let it continue before you always, Lord God. You have said so. With your ble- excuse me, with your blessing, let your family, let my family, that is, always be blessed.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. Um, I, I had to laugh when he was telling the trailer story oh, um, because with his, his boys, they would have their helmets on inside that trailer. My wife and I had a similar trailer and I would drag my children around, but they didn't have helmets on. So anyway, he's more safe than I am. So that's great. <laughs> this is coming from the same guy that packs other students in with me in my car when I was a teenager as well. So yeah, you can, uh, John and I are very, very different. <laughs> And so this whole thing, right? So David gets to this point where he recognizes there's a blessing that God has commanded to be upon Solomon, this blessing that God has commanded to be upon his extended family down the road. And so with this vision for the future, this promise that God has given, what is David going to do? right? Is, is David now at this point where he goes, you know what? I'm, I'm getting aged. I'm having to wear my glasses. I'm having, you know, I'm getting old enough now where all that I need to do is just sit back and do nothing, right? Sometimes it feels that way in our lives. We've, we've lived long enough and we're going, okay, it's left up to the next generation. They can take care of themselves, but there's a principle that I think that we see in David that we're, if we're not careful, we'll miss it. As a father, we do now, or what we do now sets up our children for success later, right? I've got to be looking forward for my children to be able to say, what can I do now to set them up for success later? And that success is not just financial, although that's a nice thing to set your children up with, Right? But there are, if you live your life in an ethical way, if you live your life morally grounded within a biblical worldview, you can set your children up for success. David set these standards for for fathers. The vision that he gives to his son Solomon is beyond his own son, Solomon, right? He sets it up for much more than that. This is what it says in 1 Chronicles. Look at what he does. Remember, there's this vision, that he had for this temple that he wanted to build, God said, nope, it's not you. (laughs) It's not you gonna be building this thing. You are a man of violence. You're a man of blood. That's not gonna happen. But the vision is right. Your son will fulfill it. Look what David does. He says, now, look, he's talking to his son. I have made every effort to supply what is needed to build the Lord's temple. I have stored up 100,000 talents of gold. That is millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, one million talents of silver and so much bronze and iron, it cannot be weighed as well as wooden stones. He tells his son, feel free to add more. Make it even better than what I'm providing for you. You also have available many workers, including stone cutters, masons, carpenters, innumerable array of workers who are skilled in using gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Get up, begin the work. May the Lord be with you. Right, so David looks at his son's life, looks at his family's uh, life, and even to generations beyond and says, I've got to do what I can do now to set up the future of my children so that they can be successful. You, my son you're set. You're set because of what I have prepared. And that really is an ideal, right? As fathers that we do, um, I want to be able to set up my children for success. And again, it's not only financially, there's so much more uh, that we as fathers are able to do. And then this final prayer that David prays in uh, First uh, Chronicles chapter 22, he says, now my son, may the Lord be with you. May you succeed and build a temple for the Lord, your God, just as he announced you would. Only may the Lord give you insight and understanding when he places you in charge of Israel so that you may obey the law of the Lord, your God. And so this promise then is passed on to Solomon, the son of David. And Solomon had seen his own dad in all of his inconsistencies. In fact, Solomon is a result of the inconsistent following of God by David, whom God declares a man after my own heart. Right? Not perfection. It's a man after God's own heart. He had seen David in his victories, even as a young boy right? David, or I'm sorry, Solomon had heard the stories of David who fought off the lion, who fought off the bear, who uh, killed Goliath. Solomon had heard the stories and had seen his own dad, even though he was not perfect, but had seen his own dad turn to the Lord time and time again. So Solomon knew that there was a promise for him. Solomon knew that God was going to bless him. This was something that God himself had said over him. What was Solomon going to do with that blessing? Was he going to take it and run with it? Was he going to take it and run away with it? I mean, here's lots and lots and lots of dollars stored up for Solomon. Once David's dead and gone, he can't say anything. He can't do anything. So what is Solomon going to do? Or did David do well as a dad? Not perfect, but was David good enough? Heard uh, something that Mark Twain said. He said, when I was 14... I couldn't believe how ignorant my dad was. Thank you. (laughs) But when I was 21, I couldn't believe how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) There's something about wisdom that takes some time to understand. And after Solomon was established as king, he was in this place of worship. He was at this place called Gibeon in 1 Kings chapter 3. While he was at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to him in a dream during the night. God said, ask, uh, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. How many of you would like for God? How about, how about now? Send two. Check one, two. There we go. Um, so I was at Gibeon. I mean, so for you, what would you ask if God said you could have anything you want? A billion dollars. A bigger car. A faster car, right? Whatever that is, right? What would you ask God for? Children that obeyed me all of the time, (laughs) right? One would think with all the power and authority that a king had that he would ask for armies that would secure his kingdom, right? I mean, he would ask for all of these other things, but what does Solomon ask for? The great thing is is that he remembers David, his dad. You would remember David's prayers for him as a young man to follow God. And this imperfect father, David, this imperfect father gave a solid foundation to his son. Because what does Solomon pray? I love this. And I actually never realized this until studying for this. First Kings chapter three, verse nine. This is Solomon's response to God's saying, I'll give you anything you want. He says, I ask that you give me a heart that understands so I can rule the people in the right way and will know the difference between right and wrong. Otherwise, it's impossible to rule this great people of yours. Do you realize that Solomon asks for in prayer the very thing that David prayed over his son? Remember that day, this echoes the prayer of David. He prayed over his son. May the Lord give you insight and understanding when he places you in charge of Israel. Solomon prays and asks for that from God. Fathers, I send this out to parents. Your kids are listening even if they don't seem to be. Your children are listening. Grandparents, your children are listening. And remember, they're not only listening to the words that you say, but they're listening to this heart that's on display. Every time you respond, every time you work in the world around you, every time we're confronted with the culture around us, your children and your grandchildren are listening. First Kings chapter six, a little bit later on, uh, we see that Solomon um, spent seven years building the temple of God, fulfilling the dream that David had, this original dream. And I love that that story that involves this father and the son, both of them incredibly imperfect. And yet God was right in the middle of their relationship. I'm gonna invite you to stand uh, to your feet here as we close out this morning. So I think we're all in a situation where we're able to respond to, uh, to the message today in a couple of different ways. Perhaps you're on the side of currently being a father, and you feel ever so greatly the weight of decisions that you have made that reveal your imperfection. Maybe it's sin, maybe there's addictions in your life when you were younger that uh, led down a road of, of destruction in your life for a season, and you feel that those decisions blessing from your children you can't seem to get past it and you say because I've failed my children have failed David could have held that against himself right David could have said well I can't have a vision for my kids because I failed as a young man and for you you might feel like you failed as a young man but here's the thing fathers your children's future your children's, your grandchildren's future are not bound to your past mistakes, right? There is blessing and there is redemption and God is able to take those things and turn them for his glory. Perhaps you're in the middle of building a foundation for, the ch- for your own children. And you're like, God, I'm having trouble trusting you. I see all the struggles in the world around here and, and Lord, I know I need to trust you with my children's future. And you're in that position today to trust him. Perhaps you're a spiritual father. You don't have kids of your own, but somehow you have influence on those around you. And you're saying, God, I've got big visions and big dreams. So Lord, help me to bring those things out in other people to be able to have a foundation of grace and faith and knowledge and trust in Jesus Christ. And perhaps you are that son, right? All of us men, in some ways we're a son, right? We're on our own now, taking what's been imperfectly handed to us and realizing that our relationship with God is our responsibility. Maybe you're just young guys. This is your opportunity. I say, God, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Let's all bow our heads. And uh, Father, as we stand in this place, Lord, I thank you for these men who are here today. God, these men who are fathers, these men who are spiritual fathers. God, these young men who are here today that are uh, uh, that are yet to be fathers. Lord, I thank you for the men of Life Church Utah, and God, we can find ourselves in the story of David and Solomon, and sometimes God, our imperfections seem so overwhelming that, God, it causes us to stop. But Lord, I believe that you are calling us even in the middle of our imperfections to stand strongly for you. Lord, I thank you for the story of David who gave it all to you, God, who was a man after God's own heart, even though he was imperfect. God, it gives me hope as a man, gives me hope as a father, that in the midst of my imperfections, Lord, you can bring blessing and hope for my children, for my children's children, and that, Lord, you can work generationally, God. Lord, you can break curses. God, you can bring uh, people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and, Lord, you can help us represent you well in our world. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon these who are here today, who are the men of God. Uh, Here's what I'd like to do. um, What I would like is uh, for the men who are in this place and the young men that are here, uh, there might be people that are around you. Can you place your hand upon uh, one of the men that are here today and the young men? We got some up front. I'd love for everybody to have somebody with a hand on their shoulder, right? And uh, so we're going to pray God's blessing over these who are the men of Life Church Utah. Father God, we thank you for these men who are here today. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would show your grace and your mercy mercy upon these men. Lord, I pray the Lord that you would guide them and direct them. Lord, give strength and courage to them. Lord, as they live, uh, they live these Christian lives in a world that seems like it is against Christian faith. Lord, we ask that they would be the men that you've called them to be. God, you haven't called them to perfection, but God, you have called them to faith. And so Lord, help them to lead their families as best they can, Lord, with the knowledge that they have. They're responsible, Lord, for, um, for following through on what they know. And so Lord, lead them, guide them, direct them. God, for the young men who are among us today, Lord, we pray your blessing on them. Help them, Lord, to be young men that make wise decisions, Lord, that are gonna lead their own children down the road to further knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that this day, this Father's Day, Lord, that you would bring blessing to the men who are fathers in this place, that, God, you would help them, Lord, in their imperfection to bring their children, their grandchildren, their grown adult children, uh, Lord, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, help us as a church to honor these who are fathers today. Lord, we love you. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Thank you, Lord, for the strength that you bring to us. And thank you, Father, that you are the greatest Father of all. Lord, we look to you for our strength. Lord, we love you this day. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen, and amen, and amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So one final thing before we leave from here today. Uh, If you are a man in the house, we have got something special for you today. Something a little bit different. We have got popcorn because pop father you get it kind of dad pop okay that's really bad but we've got popcorn for all the men in the house and uh, so as you if you can make your way out the front in our main lobby area we have some tents that are set up there and we've got popcorn for all the guys in the house today so god bless you guys thank you so much for being here today enjoy father's day god bless you